0: Welcome to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Buck, and joining us today to talk about endoscopic ultrasound-guided gallbladder drainage, or EUS drainage for short, is returning guest Dr. Michael Kahala. Dr. Kahala is Chief of Endoscopy, Director of the Pancreas Program, and Medical Director of the Advanced Endoscopy Research Program at Robert Wood Johnson Medical School. Dr. Kayla, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be here.
0: To start us off, Dr. Kayla, who are appropriate candidates for E West drainage?
1: Yeah, this is actually a great question. Gallbladder drainage has changed completely the way we deal with cholecystitis and infection of the gallbladder. We are not trying to replace the gold standard of laparoscopic cholecystectomy. Not at all. We're targeting those people that are poor candidates for this surgical technique. People that have cancer, people that are too old, people that have a very bad heart to sustain any surgery. Those people may develop inflammation or infection of the gallbladder, and instead of offering them a drainage through the skin, we now can drain them endoscopically. And when performing these procedures,
0: what are the technical challenges you often encounter?
1: I think the biggest challenge is to be able to have an adequate window. So you have to be able to get down into the stomach or the small bowel and find a good window to deploy a stent between the gallbladder and the gut. That is the biggest challenge. If you don't have a window, you cannot perform this procedure. Now, with that being said, when should we consider transpapillary
0: gallbladder drainage instead of an EUS drainage?
1: I think the biggest problem I'm offering transpapillary uh, gallbladder drainage is the ability to drain the bile duct. So you first have to drain the bile duct, and then you have to go for the gallbladder, which means we offer this technique for people that need both drain, the bile duct and the gallbladder, or people that have a very bad window for the endoscopic ultrasound drainage.
0: Thank you. For those just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Peter Buck, and I'm speaking with Dr. Michael Kahela about endoscopic ultrasound-guided gallbladder drainage. So, Dr. Cahela, how do you minimize adverse events with EUS drainage?
1: I think it's very important to first do your homework. You need to get a nice cross-sectional imaging, like a CT scan of the abdomen or an MRI. Do your homework, make sure that the patient has a good coagulation. And obviously, you need to have an endoscopist that has been trained in this procedure. I recommend using an endoscopist that have been through an advanced endoscopy training program. And how many
0: procedures before endoscopist is competent to do these kinds of drainage procedures?
1: We recommend 20 to 30 of those procedures before embarking on doing them alone.
0: And can you share the long-term outcomes you see among your patients who undergo EUS drainage?
1: So obviously, when a patient has terminal cancer and needs this procedure to relieve his garbage or infection or inflammation, we tend to leave that stent in place. And typically the patient, you know, is comfortable until his end of life. For patients that have a very bad heart or a very bad medical condition forbidding surgery sometimes once you do those procedures, you can actually optimize their medical picture. Like for instance, you can make sure the heart is getting better. You can make sure that their lungs are shaped up and some of them end up actually sustaining surgery safely. So you can also use this procedure as a bridge
0: to surgery. And when we're talking about the bridge to surgery, what percentage of patients would you say are able to get to that point that they can have Formal, a standard surgery?
1: Probably 30%. Out of the 100% of patients that underwent this procedure, 30% can go to surgery. 30% the stent will remain in place until the end of life. And another 30% basically need a stent revision because they're going to live long enough to uh, necessitate what we call recycling of the stent at some point.
0: And can you just fill in our audience about how often you have to do stent recycling?
1: Typically, after six months, we remove the metal stand placed between the gallbladder and the gut, and we tend to either remove it completely with no replacement if the gallbladder has completely collapsed, or we can sometimes pop two plastic stands just to kind of keep it open and prevent the drainage to be eliminated.
0: And when should we consider old-fashioned percutaneous gallbladder drainage instead of the procedures we've talked about today?
1: I think any patient that is bedridden in the in the ICU, unable to sustain any endoscopy, might be a patient that will benefit from this. Obviously, it's a minority of patients, but we still have some patients that are totally unable to sustain any endoscopy.
0: Now, before we conclude, Dr. Kayla, are there any other thoughts you would like to share with our audience today?
1: Yeah. I think the the biggest thought that I would like to share with the audience is it's always important to consider the most minimally invasive intervention when you're dealing with those patients. Because ultimately, patients are living longer, patients are able to beat cancer for far longer than you can imagine. So it's crucial for us to always think, can I offer a more minimally invasive option to that patient?
0: Thank you so much. That brings us to the end of today's program. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Michel Kehela, for helping us better understand endoscopic ultrasound-guided gallbladder drainage. Dr. Kehela, it was a pleasure having you on the program.
1: It was my pleasure as well.
0: For ReachMD, I'm Dr. Peter Buck. To access this and other episodes in this series, visit reachmd.com slash GI insights, where it can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.